Hello and welcome to a very unusual episode of Offbeat Grad. Today, I thought we could take a closer look at the history of blogging. As someone who works online for a living and who's been blogging since fifth grade, I feel like blogging has sort of grown up with me and I have gone along for the ride myself and I thought I would take you along for the ride as well in case you weren't around in those early days and you don't really know those key moments in internet history that have taken us to where we are right now. And I think where we are right now is a very unique place and who would have thought that you would be able to make a living typing your thoughts on the internet. Like, I don't think anyone thought that 25 years ago. Now it's just a new reality and it's this new normal. And more and more people are finding jobs on the internet and are making a living doing their own thing. And sometimes it's really valuable to take a, take a look back and see where that all started. So that's exactly what we're gonna do today. More than a billion people around the world are now online. The internet is a powerful tool for information and communication. For those of you interested in blogging, I want to tell you guys, you can make a lot of money blogging. I want to share my income report for my first month of blogging. So how do you make money on your blog? To start, we're going to take it way back to 1994, but I also need to let you know that most of the information for this podcast came from Web Designer Depot, and the rest will be linked in the show notes, so definitely check that out if you want to learn a bit more. But the first blog ever created was Links.net. It was created by Justin Hall when he was at Swarthmore College in 1994. Of course, at this time, they weren't even called blogs, and he just called this his personal homepage. Who is Justin Hall and why is he noteworthy? Well, Justin Hall got pretty well known for publishing a couple of years ago a very strange homegrown webpage. I'm a 20-year-old guy. I can write about my life and thousands of people will come and read it every day. This is really a revolution. And, and I publish my life on the fucking internet and it doesn't make people want to be with me. Links.net actually turned 25 a month ago, so I thought I would read his post from January 23rd at 10.03 p.m. because he really has a way with words and he has been sharing, or oversharing as he would like to say, his life on the internet for 25 years and he is a pioneer since we're all about oversharing today. So he writes 25links.net, if I had another appendage I could manifest the significance of this date in person. As it is, I have online sharing PTSD. Everything I write online, I question who I am serving. Am I violating someone else's privacy? Am I punching up or down? Am I going to be harassed by people with too much time feeding on my personal details? Would I rather be spending time with my kid or pleasuring myself elsewhere? So I'm constipated for online sharing. Plenty of buildup, scores of photos I take each month, gigabytes of unshared media. I check Instagram and I think, oh man, my friends are doing great things and taking wonderful trips and asking good questions. Shouldn't I demonstrate my standing as a photogenic human with the means to participate in mediated life demonstration? Ah, it's just too much to think about. Only good girls keep diaries. The bad girls never have time. That was his lovely post. There's more to it than that, and I highly recommend you read it because he is just a spectacular writer. And um, it's very interesting to see how his words formed really the basis for every type of internet sharing we know today. So Justin Hall was the first, but it wasn't until 1997 that the term web blog was coined. 
and it was coined by John Barger, who was an early blog robot wisdom starter, and he actually created this term to reflect the process of logging the web, which is something that he noticed when he browsed. But it actually changed uh, later on. The web blog was shortened to blog in 1999, and it's not until five years later that the Merriam-Webster Dictionary declared the word of the year. 1998 marks the first known instance of a blog on a traditional news site when they blogged um, about Hurricane Bonnie for the Charlotte Observer. So this really, really started what we now know today as online news, which is so normal, more normal so than even just like news on cable television or news on TV. It's just the new normal. People are really looking at their television set as a third screen and more of a computer screen. They're saying, you know, why can't I take my HDMI plug and do something very interesting with that? There's been one topic that a lot of people have been asking us about that we've never really addressed, um, and we figured that this would be a good opportunity to do it. Well, that question is, why did we leave BuzzFeed? Blogs at this time had to be updated manually. I remember these days because I updated my blog manually. Before I used WordPress, which I didn't get to until way too late in life, I updated all of my blogs manually from the back end, which would mean you had to physically go into the code. You had to, it was usually a PHP website or even worse, something with iframes. And you had to find that little section in there for the blog post and you would have to format it manually and you would have to publish it and then make edits through the manual way. And it was a lot of work until we got some new blogging platforms like LiveJournal. And if you were an angsty tween like me, you were on LiveJournal 24-7. LiveJournal was really the first platform that challenged people to just post whatever they wanted because at this time we had other things like um, MySpace um, that doesn't really count as blogging and people were more curated on that platform. So LiveJournal was a place to just let it all out. And it was a weird place and there was a lot of fiction and creative writing and a lot of personal diary type entries and it was a mess and we all loved it. And then in 1999, the platform that later became Blogger was started by Evan Williams and Meg Hurahan at Pyra Labs. And Blogger is responsible for bringing blogging to the mainstream because before this, like I said, people needed to update these blogs manually. If you didn't know how to code or you didn't want to learn how to code, there wasn't really a way for you to easily update your own blog. So you might be turned off to starting one, but with Blogger and LiveJournal, you could do this in a few clicks. You don't need any coding experience. It was very simple to sign up. You get a little page to yourself and it was just an easy way to get your thoughts on the web so a lot of people did. The early 2000s were a period of growth for blogs as most of us know. In 1999 according to a list compiled by Jesse James Garrett there were 23 blogs on the internet. By the middle of 2006 there were 50 million blogs. So that was a big growth. It's even more now obviously but think about that in 1999 there were only 23 Imagine being on top of your niche. Um, now there's 50 million. So it's pretty tremendous how it grew so quickly. During this time, in-depth blogs were also becoming more popular. They even delved much deeper into the current news and pop culture, which was a great relief for people who were so used to reading their media in the newspaper or in a magazine. Now suddenly you had access to someone else's thoughts, someone who wasn't necessarily a writer, wasn't a journalist, or wasn't a, a pop culture writer, I don't know, just people who had new opinions were able to speak up and that's really cool and reporting the news took on a different meaning. But blogging is first and foremost about writing and writing in a way that foregrounds play as well as intellect. 
I started blogging while I was uh, doing my PhD in, uh, in biochemistry at, at the University of Toronto and um, I, I just wanted to talk a bit about science in general to, to a public uh, a general audience because I, I felt that a lot of people didn't really know what I was doing in the lab and why I spent so much time in the lab. By 2001, there was enough interest in blogging that how-to articles and guides started popping up. So this is a new terrain. Now, this is so normal, and most business-type blogs seem to focus on how-to articles, guides. But before this, it was just about commenting on your personal feelings, talking about your day, sort of a diary format, or commenting on the news. Now, how-to articles are a thing, and now meta-blogs are a thing. And meta-blogs, I'm, I'm in it with the meta-blogs. Meta-blogs are blogging about blogging. And now these made up a sizable portion of the most successful blogs, and that's because so many people were interested in getting in on this because it became so popular and people needed tips, so they looked to these meta-blogs and they never slowed down. WordPress started in 2003, and that just made it even easier for blogs to hit the mainstream. In January 2005, a study was released saying that 32 million Americans read blogs. That was more than 10% of the entire population at the time. That year, Garrett M. Graff was granted White House press credentials, and he's the first blogger to ever be granted to do so. So clearly blogs are becoming much more mainstream, much more accepted. They were even being seen as a sort of legitimate news outlet. And by the end of 2010, there were more than 152 million active blogs. When we hit 2010, we reach a new era of blogging, which is known as microblogging. And we're still sort of in this today. And a lot of people only think of Twitter when you think of microblogging because that's how they market themselves is you get like 250 characters, so it's a microblog. But this isn't really what microblog means. A real microblog is something like Tumblr or a platform that allows for a more traditional type of blogging experience, but it's on a smaller scale. So not really Twitter. Tumblr is the first major site to offer this kind of service, and Tumblr started in 2007, and they allow a lot of different post types, um, so you don't have a one-size-fits-all platform. You can just post pictures, you can just post videos, stuff like that that really spoke to especially young people. And Tumblr is still around today. And I'm sure we've all used it. Um, I still like Tumblr. But recently, Tumblr has been cracking down on adult content, and it's led to a lot of issues in the community, and a lot of people are choosing to take their artwork off of Tumblr, and we're not really sure whether or not Tumblr will survive after this controversy. So, just in case you've been living under a Dwayne Johnson, Tumblr, having a reputation of it being a successful for SJWs, crazy fandoms, and generally weird posts and memes, has recently gone under a content purge that left many of its creators to go off Tumblr and go to different platforms. But no matter what side you're on, this should still concern you. Because not only has Tumblr already began censoring images that are completely fine, like could not be more SMW. This is a part of a greater issue that happened to YouTube and it's happening to social media sites all across the internet. Another huge update in the world of blogging in the mid 2000s and 2010 period is the Google Panda update, which happened in 2011. So what this did is change search engine optimization, basically. It changed the way search results were shown on the search engine result page. And what it did was lowered um, any low quality content. It ranked them out of the search engine page. So websites that were using keyword stuffing or didn't have any content, 
just sort of fell off the map. It became a big no-no to do stuff like that. So now SEO focused on providing high quality informative posts and websites that did that will rank way higher. And that's still true today. Today, 25 years after the first blog, we have a new era of the internet, basically. We have Instagram, which is sort of considered blogging. We have stories, we have Facebook, we have all of these things that weren't here when Justin Hall started his links.net in 1994. Now Instagram is considered blogging. Posting on Twitter might even be considered blogging. We see so many platforms come and go. Things like Tumblr that are sort of falling out of practice and LiveJournal, which is sort of a wasteland and Blogger, which not many people use anymore. All of these things have come and gone. Now we have WordPress rating supreme. We have new ones like Wix and Squarespace that are becoming really popular. We have bloggers who are making money blogging. Influencer marketing is so on the rise. And we have 400 million blogs active today. What you can do is you can run some Facebook and Instagram ads to that specific blog post, not to your actual blog, where not to your blog homepage, but to that specific blog post. Biggest lie I've ever heard in my life is that followers equal influence. So what does that mean for the internet? Basically means that it's always changing, and I think we already knew that, but it's very interesting to take a look back and see how quickly we got here. Like, it seems like something that must have taken decades, but really, we got here so quick. Um, within five years, blogging had had its own name, and it was becoming a thing, and there were so many more blogs on the web, and suddenly everyone wants to know how to do it, and everyone wants a voice. And I think that's really what blogging is. It gives <laughs> the voice back to the people. In the past, it was only people with um, press credentials or who had a big enough platform to be heard, who had a way to get their voice out. But thanks to blogging, literally anyone anywhere in the world can get their voice out however they want, and that's a freedom that we should really be glad we have. Sometimes I hear a lot of people asking if blogging will go out of style and if blogging will just become a thing of the past. And I say no, like I don't think blogs are ever going to die and there's three reasons for this. First, news websites are always going to survive. News websites are the new normal. Things like BuzzFeed, TechCrunch, Motley Fool, etc. These are all just staples that are so huge and powerful, they're not going anywhere. These have 10 plus new articles a day. They have constant influx of new content and new advertisers and new streams of revenue, so they're not going anywhere. Next, corporate blogs are starting to become really, really necessary. So not just big corporations, but also just small businesses. Everyone needs to have a way to reach their customers and it's becoming the best way to reach your customers. And it also really increases the engagement and the conversation between big businesses, small businesses, customers and clients. And that's a great thing. Finally, it's only getting easier to make blogs, like we've said. Things like WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, Tumblr, all of these are evolving. They're making it so much easier for anyone, no matter your tech skills, to get on the internet and start posting. And as long as that's happening, I don't think it's going anywhere. What is going to happen is blogging will change. It's always changed. We can see that in the past 25 years, how much it's changed. And it's going to keep changing, and I think that's just okay, and that's just normal. Nothing will ever stay the same on the internet, but we can count on blogging being around in some form or another, whether it's through influencer marketing, or it's through Facebook sharing, or it's through Instagram stories. All of these things are a way of blogging. They're just different, and they're new too, and it's weird that they're so new, but they're just normal now, and sometimes there'll be new things that are going to become normal, and that's just the nature of the internet. 
So today's episode was a little bit shorter. I hope you really enjoyed diving back into the brief history of blogging because I think it's really interesting and it's really good to take a look at these things and see how far we've come because sometimes when you're wrapped up in your own little world, you can feel like things aren't really moving forward or they're not changing very much and you think like, wow, I wish things would just get a move on, but they really are and it's just hard to see that when you're so close to the platform. And I just wanted to have us all take a collective step back and just see, wow, look at this. Look how far we've come because it's really cool. And if you're like me and you grew up in the mid-90s and the early 2000s, blogging is something that really shaped our experience. And we grew up thinking it was normal. And I'm really glad we did because if we didn't, like, who knows if we would be able to make this our careers or if we'd be able to really make the most of blogging. And I think that's a really cool benefit of being around in this time even though the world is ending in so many other ways. So that's my little story for the day. Um, This was a bit of a different episode because it's a little bit more produced. I've got some cool sound inserts and some cool interviews to include. And it's different. And different is good, as I just said. So let me know if you liked this and if you'd like me to dive further into other things. I'm thinking of doing like remote work or even just the internet or how the internet works. Like there's a lot of cool, interesting things that I love to research on my own because I love technology and I love communication and I love to see how they intersect. So let me know if you like this. (laughs) If not, you can tell me that too and I will never do it again. Great. Have a very productive Thursday and I will see you next week.